Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. And welcome back to Overnight America. I am happy that we have a guest on for this first segment talking about friendship and the new book that's out called Friendshiping, The Art of Finding Friends, Being Friends, and Keeping Friends. One of the co-authors of that book, Trent Garitano. Thank you for coming on to KMOX. Me. I am delighted. Yes, that was a very nice way to start the interview. I think you may be the first guest we've had that said they're delighted. So that was very <laughs> formal almost. Well, how is. Well, I'm uh, having a great day, Ryan. What can I say? <laughs> oh, that's good. How is uh, friendship a skill? How, like, what? How can you look at it as if it is some sort of thing that it's it's um you you have to do certain things to achieve it? Like, work up your your uh, work up your attributes to be able to get yourself a friend. You know, it's interesting because I think of friendship as a set of skills rather than just it being itself a skill. Um, You know, the ability to communicate your needs and boundaries. uh, That is something that nobody wrote a book uh, and gave it to us in elementary school to figure out how to do that. Uh, We don't have an enormous emotional toolbox, um, you know, from standardized education. Uh, And we have to develop those skills on our own. Uh, We have to figure out um, how to mutually understand another person, uh, the questions to ask. Um, We need to know that our presence at our friends' events, be they online now, uh, is important. Um, There's just so much to friendship and so much to work on. You know, that's interesting you mentioned the school aspect because it seems like a lot of times either you gravitate towards someone and you don't know why and you can become friends with them. Some people have a hard time becoming friends. Um, and then sometimes it takes encouragement from teachers or parents that kind of give you the little push in that direction because they want you to have friends, but they don't ever teach you those sort of things. It, it's kind of like finances. Everyone says in high school, they should teach you more about finances because you'll use that skill the rest of your life. Do you think... Uh, teachers should be teaching kids more things about their emotions and things like friendship? You know, I would never uh, want to tell a teacher how to do their job because they have one of the most difficult jobs in the world and so many expectations are put on their shoulders. Um, I would say, however, that we could do a better job uh, talking to children about how to express their emotions and how to communicate, again, their needs and boundaries. Um, It's just it's such a it's a soft skill. You know, Uh, it's one of those things that we just we don't sit down and think about. Uh, And it's also very individual. Um, Everybody expresses themselves. Uh, 
uh, differently. Everybody has different needs. Everybody has different boundaries and, and everybody has a, a different history. Uh, and all of those things interact when you have any kind of relationship with another person. Um, so I guess to answer your question, um, no, I, I don't know that I would say teachers go teach this in school, but I would say as a society, we might want to think about it a little more deeply instead of just letting our kids kind of make mistakes on each other for a little while. Can we just like say, you know, everyone's my friend. Some people are just like that and they just go around life thinking that everyone loves them. Is that a wrong way to look at it? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, I, I would never want to challenge somebody's perspective if they had such amazing self-confidence like that. I, don't, <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine living that way, but my goodness, uh, hold on to that. <laughs> um, I, I do think that the word friend may have um, a different meaning now, um, now that we have, like, you know, Facebook friends and, and things like that. Um, but my goodness, yeah, keep that confidence. So the book is called Friendshipping, which is out now. You can go find it. And joining us is one of the co-authors, Trin Garitano. And I was thinking about friends at different stages of my life. When I was in grade school, the friends I had, you know, your parents would drive you over to a friend's house and you would, you know, play video games or street hockey. Uh, you know, it was just fun things like that. And then in high school, how that changed, you know, you might have friends that once you got a driver's license, you'd hang out to their house or go to movies or whatever it was, uh, go to the mall in, in some cases. And then I think about it as an adult and my friends are much different in that way, if at any uh, and I don't really look at the the way I had friends when I was younger as something that is obtainable anymore now that I'm an adult. Is that a fair way to look at it? You know, I think it is on a certain level, at least, um, because when we were in school uh, and we would see our friends outside of that setting, oh, my gosh, how exciting. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> there's a boy. <laughs> you know, uh, we are experiencing that for the very first time. I mean, even into our early 20s, simply getting into a room with your peers is exciting because we didn't do it. You know, um, that was something that, you know, you, you sit at your own desk and you have your own locker. But the moment you see your friend in the grocery store, gosh, what a strange uh, colliding of spheres that is. Um, so, yes, your relationships do change because you have so much more that you know about people and, and, his, and your history. Um, and in those relationships in high school and elementary school, I'm sure you made mistakes that you brought into your adult friendships as lessons. Um, and that's, I think, uh, one of the, the beautiful things about adult friendships. I think about the moments I'm meeting at the grocery store, the odd moment when you see a teacher outside of the natural habitat of school. That's always a weird oh one when you're younger. That shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> no, they're not allowed to have a life outside of school, you know? And it's weird when you cross them. It's almost like it's a different being, as if they were some sort of superhero in disguise. Do you know you know the movie uh, Ghostbusters? And when they oh, say, sure. um, you know, don't cross the streams, it's like that. <laughs> Exactly like that. When as an adult, a lot of times we see things that our friends are doing and we think, uh huh, I wouldn't do it that way. So when you have friends as an adult and you look at it and you say, uh, how do you intervene on things that you believe might be in their best interest? Like you, you see them doing something that you look at as a mistake and do you approach them? Do you leave it alone? What do you do in moments like that to keep your friendship? 
You know, I think the decision to step in or not is like step five. Um, And what you really want to start with is step zero, which is information gathering, Uh, because we are all individuals and we are all the protagonists of our own stories. Um, We only know what's in our own book, as silly as that cliche is. You don't know your friend's situation. Um, The the friendship uh, drama that I like to use as as an example for this is, my goodness, do I hate who my friend is dating? Because we've gotten that question quite a bit, believe it or not. Um, And what we like to say is, ask some questions. Uh, Hey, what's the last nice thing that your partner did for you? And uh, what do you like about them? You know, I'd really love to know more about what you guys value together, um, what your life looks like. Um, what, how did you meet? Um, these, these questions, we, we tend to skip that because we think we know best based on what we've lived. But everybody has lived something different. Um, so, yeah, I would say there are definitely clear times where we want to step in because our friends are hurting themselves. Um, but regardless, you want to start with uh, step zero, which is get that information and, and know that you are right to do that. Yeah, there's a meme and there's a lot of them like this, but generally speaking, it shows how women talk to their friends and how men talk to their friends if they're the same sex. And if it's two women, it's a long chain of words and they're like back and forth for hours. And if it's men, it's like two words back and forth to each other. They message each other like once a year. You doing okay? And then the reply is K, and that's all the conversation they need in order to keep the friends. So, uh, do you find think do you find that men and women, mostly speaking, look at friendship in different ways, and uh, that's just okay? You know, it's funny. Um, as a non-binary person myself, it's interesting for me to look at that because I have found, at least anecdotally in my own life, um, that everybody has emotional depths. You know, everybody has a complex confluence of their history, um, their beliefs, their values. People have things to say to one another, but we do not equally give that emotional toolbox, uh, that that ability to talk about your internal life to the to, to all the genders. We don't. Uh, we expect women to have emotions and we shame men for having theirs. Uh, and there's so much to, to say about that. Um, I And that's where, where I, what I would say as far as, as genders are concerned. What I would say at a more individual level, uh, there tend to be uh, kind of two groups of, of people. There are the orchid friends, as I like to call them. They require a lot of misting, some watering, um, but they bloom. It's very rewarding. Um, and then I actually find that I am a cactus friend. Uh, if you water me too much, my roots will shrivel up and I will die. I, I, need, to, I need a certain amount of space. Um, so that's that's all coming back to needs and boundaries. Um, I feel that we are more different as individuals than we could ever be cross gender or, or really any other demarcation. Ah, friendshipping is the name of the book. And I have uh, a wife and kids. And to me, that's perfectly fine. That might be all the friends I need. Is, is there anything wrong with saying, you know what, uh, this whole friendship thing's overrated? You know, we, Jen and I love telling people, you don't have to be friends with anybody you don't want to be friends with. You know, and I know our book is the gerund version of friendship. You know, it's friendshiping. But sometimes it's saying no. Um, you know, and if you are comfortable with your wife and, and your kids and, and that's the social network that, that you need, well, you know, more power to you. I personally find that I and anecdotally, again, the people that I speak to, um, adults tend to have 
maybe one to five really close friends, like people who know them, who understand them, who've known them over identities. Um, And I always recommend friendship, but certainly if you're happy, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, it's that old Larry David joke where he talks about how the greatest gift you can give to someone is cancel plans. That way you're on your own, you can stay home, you don't have to do anything. And I thought, yeah, maybe friendship's overrated. But then because of this whole quarantine thing and people separated and they're forced to stay away from people they actually enjoy, maybe this is going to have the reverse effect. Kind of like kids in school where it got to the point where they were taken in back from school so much, they couldn't wait to get back into the classroom. So normally if you're a kid, you're like dreading going to school. Now they want to. And I thought, wonder if that's going to have a similar reaction to friendships with adults. They'll just, they'll, uh, they can't wait to get back if they were maybe the type of personality that tried to resist it. You know, that's so interesting because I think that many people, that will be true for many people, um, especially the extroverts. But we have been getting questions to our podcast, you know, from the wider internet, our audience, saying things like, oh my goodness, I really like shelter in place. I find that I like being alone. Am I, is, am I broken? Is there something wrong with me? Um, and the answer to that actually is, hey, no, it's just you've learned something new about yourself in this time of shelter in place, and you've learned that you need more space or you need a lot less space the way that, that you were talking earlier. Um, I am one of the people, and maybe surprising you since I wrote a book about friendship, um, but over the course of Shelter in Place, I realized how much energy I derive from being alone. And, and I'm definitely going to take those lessons with me after this whole COVID thing wraps itself up. Yeah, I found the less responsibility I had, the more friends I had. I don't know why that's, there's a correlation between the two. It just seems that when I was younger in high school, if you just had your schoolwork or an, even in college, and then you might have had just whatever work in between if you're doing a part-time job or something. But, man, I had, uh, I had a million friends back then. I didn't know if it was just a youth thing or not, but I just attribute it back to not having many responsibilities. So I didn't have anything else distracted me other than getting with friends. But then again, there wasn't social media, there wasn't internet, all these other distractions that go along with it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's time, it's energy. And honestly, it's general happiness. We are happy as children. We don't know about awful things as children. I mean, <laughs> and it makes it, it's it's a true thing. It's it, when you can relax, you can be more yourself. And uh, I am nothing, uh, if not very, very clenched all of the time lately. <laughs> so, so, you know, it, it is harder. Um, it's harder for so many reasons. So if people wanted to find your new book, uh, Friendshipping, where can they look? They can look at friendshippingbook.com. So it's, it sounds, it's spelled just like it sounds. Friendship, but, but with two P's and I-N-G, book.com. Thank you for asking friendshipping book you can look it up and co-author the book trend garantano thank you so much for coming on tonight to talk about friendship on kmox thanks so much and i said it was delightful and i was right we had a great time thanks ryan oh look at that you leave with a smile all right this is good news thanks Jen. and uh she joins us on the bomberito automotive group guest line oh that was delightful it's really nice. It almost felt like we had a little cup of coffee during that discussion. Oh, that was really delightful. This is Overnight America, KMOX. Traffic and weather together every 10 minutes, mornings and afternoons on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. All right. Well, that was fun. Friendship, Bina. Yeah, I feel like I am totally fulfilled with having 
these relationships with you on the radio program. It's it's kind of strange to say, but when you call in and we get these chances to talk, or if you message me on Ryan Wrecker Radio on Facebook or something along those lines, that is nice. I kind of like that type of interaction. My wife has some friends she made through different moms groups, and I've become friends with some of the other dads because of that you know, their husbands. And it's been fun. You know, I like them and I'm friends with our neighbors. Like I can text them. I think a lot of the times the relationship with the neighbors are more like, Hey, do you have a certain tool? Hey, uh, Hey, you got this, or can I borrow this? And that's fine. Or they'll call me over. Hey, uh, can you help me move something? Or can I get a saw or whatever? That's the, exactly the right relationship to have to keep an eye out, look for your neighbors. And I like that. I, I would call them friends. That's nice. I would help them if they needed it and they would help me. That's perfect. And same thing with this uh, radio show. I know there's people that call in here looking and asking things. I hope that in ways that I help you in that endeavor. I don't know if it's that helpful, but I hope that means something. There's some value to that. And it's weird because even when I was younger, I liked having friends when I was in high school and college. I used to do a lot of things after school and, you know, do things today by any standard. Thank goodness there wasn't cell phones around. Oh, man. And I'm definitely a different person than I was back then. But now when uh, you, you you settle down, you start having kids, all of that changes everything. And for the good, honestly, for the way good. And I don't really feel that same desire to have a giant social network in that sense. And then the digital sort of thing kicks in. And it's more interesting to be able to uh, communicate with your old friends that way. I just find it nice. And then when I go and visit my parents in Michigan, I'll normally try to reach out and, you know, say, oh, I'm going to be in town. You want to get together and, uh, you know, go to breakfast or something. By the way, nothing is better than waking up early, getting a cup of coffee, a couple of uh, eggs over easy, toast, bacon and hash browns. Mm -mm -mm. Doesn't get any better than that with uh, a couple of friends at the table sitting there and uh, talking about the good old days and then uh, laughing about how different we are now. Isn't that great? So that's the type of stuff I like to do. I saw this online just real quick and coming up after the weather here in a few minutes, we're going to welcome in our friend from KPLR uh, reporter, Patrick Clark, and he's done an awesome, awesome series when it comes to presidential libraries, uh, museums, and more. And with President's Day coming up, he's got his latest installment of the presidential library series coming up on Monday at 430 on KPLR. So we're going to bring him on and we'll talk to Patrick Clark about that after the weather break. So real quick, I saw this one story and I don't know if this is genius or if it's illegal, but I'm leaning on the I'm leaning on more genius. So questions are being raised if law enforcement in Beverly Hills can play music while being filmed by activists. So if you're in public and you see the police conducting business or whatever, as long as you're not interfering, you're a distance away from them, you're allowed to film them. It's legal. You know, each state has their own thing. But if you're outside in the public grounds, you're on the sidewalk or whatever it is, you can film police interactions. Totally fine. But police in Beverly Hills said, I got an idea. When we start rolling up, we're going to start blasting copyrighted music out of our speakers. You know, just blaring copyright like it's a rock concert or something, pop music, whatever. And the reason for it is if people pull out their cell phones and start streaming the, an arrest, that their video that they're putting on social media will have a copyright strike and taken down off the internet because of the music in the background. 
<laughs> I honestly, I think this is pretty genius. Um, they say it's a form of assaulting free speech, playing copywritten music. No, I don't think so. It doesn't stop you from recording. It doesn't stop you from taking the video and posting it later. All it does is stop you from putting it on a platform with that restricted content. Yes, it's, uh, that's what happens. So uh, police officers, are, I don't know if they're starting to do this or not. If anything, it just adds an extra layer of, of um, it makes it less easy for you to post it online or stream it live while it's happening. <laughs> I don't think this is illegal by any means. I don't think this is an assault on free speech. In fact, I think this is pretty clever. I don't know if they're going to change the law for anything like that, but overall, that's not a bad. <laughs> that's actually very clever. All right. Uh, when we come back, our friend Patrick Clark, he's going to talk about his latest installment from presidential libraries, museums, and more. Looking forward to having him on Overnight America KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. News Radio 1120, KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Here we are. It's Overnight America. And each weeknight, we spend about four hours together. That's an awful lot of time. So uh, I would recommend that if you want even more, or if you want to follow along at home, go to Facebook, Ryan Recker Radio. It's there all the time. And also on Twitter, at Ryan Recker. Joining us now is someone that we've had on the show a couple of times, and he's been a great guest. It's uh, KPLR 11 reporter Patrick Clark. He's got a, another installment coming up because it is President's Day on Monday. The Presidential Libraries, Museums, and More series continues on Monday at 4.30. How are you, Patrick? I'm great. I'm great, my friend. How about yourself? Good. So this is number 12 that's coming up. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Very exciting. What's uh, going to be on this Monday's uh, President's Day edition of Presidential Libraries, Museums, and more? Well, I can tell you it has been a Herculean effort to get this on the air. Uh, just as we've all been in this pandemic, uh, it's changed everybody uh, and how you're going about your daily, you know, telling of stories and gathering of stories and all that. But this, uh, this one, we've got, we've got a nice collection of various presidents from present day to uh, number 16, to number 35, to number 32 and 39. 
and 42. They're all connected. And uh, we're going to talk about the Resolute Desk in this one. Uh, that one is very interesting because I've been doing these now for like, you know, I guess it's been about four years, four and a half years. And as I start going to various presidential libraries, I notice there's some similarities. There's some things that they have and as they tell this great American story. Uh, and so I started thinking about that in the back of my head a while back. This was before the pandemic had begun. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought, oh, this is a good story to tell, what they all kind of tell this story. And, and the cool. number of, you know, the number of presidents who've shared that desk. That is right. And when you go to these different libraries and the different setups they have, how many actual mock Oval Offices have you been in? Oh, uh, I would, uh, let me think about this now. That's really that's a good question. Well, I've been to half of them, so uh, wow. I would say I've been. I've seen like eight of them. Yeah, nine of them. Yeah, something that's pretty impressive. Now, I'm going to throw back to a report that came out a couple of weeks ago when President Trump was in office. He had a button that would bring someone in with a diet coke. (laughs) I think it would be a missed opportunity to uh, build his presidential library in the Oval Office without that button installed where someone will bring you a diet coke if you're president. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They're they're missing a great uh, sponsorship opportunity there. Yeah, no kidding. Well, do you see any unique things like when you walk in and you're like, okay, once you see one, you've seen them all. Or is it like each one has their own little thing to it that sets them apart? Well, I, you know, it's funny you say that. I find it interesting because each one does. You really kind of get it. That's what I like about it is you get a chance to kind of walk in their shoes and think about it, uh, what it might have been or where they're from. I, I really I like going for a walk wherever it is, whether it be uh, JFK's in Boston or, or Reagan's in uh, Simi Valley or wherever it might be. I want to go walking around and like get a sense of, OK, they spent some time here. There's a reason they decided that this is where they want this location to be to tell their story. Mm-hmm. And then and for me, I don't know, as I start researching them and, and there's there's a lot of thought that goes into it, I. I think about, you know, what makes sense. Is there a thread? Is there stuff that's repeating that we're seeing from before? Mm-hmm. Um, I It fascinates me. I, I like history. Uh, I think it's an incredible story and a lot of it that we've not been told. And so I just try and give all that information out there. And, and you know, it's like you, the viewer, go, you decide. Yeah. When you were in the the, resi- uh, the presidential library of Ronald Reagan, I can't remember, but at that library, do they have his microphone he would do his radio addresses from? Oh, yes. Uh, what was the radio station in Iowa? Um, I can't remember what it is. I'd have to look it up. But that was a popular one, too, the radio station he worked for. But I know he did a lot of uh, radio addresses. I think that Joe Biden, President Biden, is going to start those up again, but in video form. And I can't remember how back you'd have, far back you'd have to go before they had the Saturday addresses. I, I, if that was something that was stopped and during Trump or Obama, I can't remember either way. But I know that Ronald Reagan, um, I've, I've had people go and visit. I don't know if it was his library or if they visit something else, but they said that the microphone was out for them to look at. And I thought that is a cool piece of history. Yeah. 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 I mean, to tell his story, the guy who was a lifeguard up in Dixon, Illinois, and who's, you know, reported to have saved a double digits number of people 
over the years, and they say it might have been because of his his uh, rugged good looks that people were were feigning they uh, <laughs> were having trouble swimming. Um, but yeah, to raise you know to make his way through radio and and understand that you know communication and, and communicating with people and telling the stories, I think that really, I I think that helped him as a leader. You know that I. I can only speak for myself on, you know, you trying to, trying to stay as well informed as you can uh, all the time and trying to present all that information. Just, you know, here's, here's the facts of what, what I can tell you. And now to remind me, was it the Reagan presidential library when you were a kid, you wrote Ronald Reagan. Is that the story? Yeah. Uh, if I'm trying, yeah. can you tell that story again? That's such a cool story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was after he was shot. And uh, we had a teacher, um, and she she encouraged us to write. And I don't know, I, I guess it's a pretty precocious thing. Uh, I decided to write him. I was like, wow, this guy, someone tried to take a shot at him. That's a big deal. So um, I wrote him, and I this was years ago when I was a kid. And I got a response from from the White House, and I still have the letter. And I, I just about ripped it in half in my haste. I was so excited, you know. And uh, my, my, oh, I cried my eyes out because I thought, oh, I, I ruined it. My mom was like, it's okay, we'll fix it. You know? um, <laughs> so I forgot about this. That You know, I got this letter back from him. And I don't know if it was auto pin or not, or if it really was his signature. But he was uh, encouraged to hear from young Americans such as myself, uh, so you know that I, I, that was that's been on a shelf somewhere for years. Cut to we I start doing this series, this presidential libraries, museums, and more. And I was like, okay, what are these? What are these things? You know, what purpose are they serving? What is the story here? And and is there more to the story? And that's yeah, that's what I found along the way. Anyway, as we start doing these. We get uh, a contact. I have a friend I worked with when I worked at G4, and she says, you got to come out here. you got to see this library. It's a museum. It's incredible. So I pitch it to my boss, and they, they said, okay. And I, I get there, and they, uh, they, they bring me in, and they, they said, you know, we saw this. We saw the episode. We, we saw the car and everything. Uh, come on in. We want to. We want to give you the lay of the land. It's a really big location, and uh, so we we're, we're in this this guy's uh, office. He's he's the director there, and and, and I said, you know, I, I had this this memory that I kind of forgot until until now. I said I wrote him when I was a kid, and he, and he says, really? Do you do you know where uh, how old you were or what you were doing or where anything about it? And I said, oh, you know, I think. At the time, we lived over in uh, southeastern Illinois in this little town. And it was after he got shot. And, and, uh, and so, he, you know, he would introduce people. People would keep coming by. This is our head of outreach and education. This is, you know, this is the person in charge of communications with a lot of people. And he had gotten on the phone at this point, uh, Randy had. And... It wasn't even, I, I, it couldn't have been 10 minutes. And this woman showed up standing in the doorway and she's holding the letter 
And she says, is this your letter? <laughs> like it's a magic trick. Yes. <laughs> is this your card? <laughs> <laughs> how amazing is that to be replicated? You know, isn't that, doesn't oh. that tell you just how organized these organizations are? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's incredible. It really is. That they could pull it out. And she said, do you know how common your name is? Uh, Patrick Clark? I don't know. I didn't think it was that common. And she said, and this was after, uh, she said, then we started going digital after that, or we did more, uh, we were more collecting samples rather than mm-hmm. saving everything. Cause he, he, so many people wrote to him and, and so that they could pull it out and Ryan, man, to see your, uh, something you wrote when you're, I don't know how old I was, eight, mm-hmm. nine, something. It's amazing. I asked him if we could be pen pals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Well, you did get a response, and I'm glad that you still have the response. That is pretty neat yeah. to have anything on official White House letterhead. Do you mind holding on after the break? I'd love to talk more yeah. presidential memories with you. But again, your yeah. latest, it's episode 12 of the Presidential Libraries, Museums, and More, airing this Monday, President's Day, at 4.30 on KPLR 11. And it, it really, I know they can find things online about you, but really watching it this Monday would probably be the best thing. But then they can look you up online, too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Look up uh, reporter Patrick Clark. We'll continue with him right after the break on Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. He's with KPLR 11, uh, Patrick Clark, in his latest installment of Presidential Libraries, Museums, and More. Episode 12 is coming up on Monday, President's Day at 4.30. You should check it live on KPLR 11. Uh, Patrick, again, thanks for spending time with us tonight. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, uh, I just heard that about Clark Terry. I got to interview him a few years back before he passed. Oh, that's cool. Tell me the circumstance. What was uh, Tell me about that. He was, uh, I think he was getting... I think he was, I don't know if he was getting a star on the Walk of Fame here in St. Louis, but he was in town and uh, he had he had done a, a thing where he was signing autographs and whatnot. And we were doing these Walk of Fame pieces and we got to go to his room and basically sit and talk with him. And he was an older gen- gentleman at this point. And he was, you know, having some health issues, but he still perked up talking about any his Doodle tongue, A E I O U, and he'd say to he say A E I O U, and he said ta 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 tu tu, and he said that's so he said like a percussive instrument. That's how I played. That's cool. I mean, what a cool thing to witness. How do you respond to something like that? Whenever if I could see a legend, someone that's known for music, and it's so hard to be known for anything musical, to to do something like that in front of me, I'd just be starstruck. I'd be like, my my jaw would hit the floor thinking, wow, I can't believe I just witnessed that small little thing that means nothing to him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, that like that was his his signature thing. And he was just like, this is how I did it. I just got really good at with my tongue in uh, in a percussive way. Uh, And he told a story about when he first was starting out and he had no money. And he said he he went to the junkyard and he found like a 
like a rubber hose or he found like the parts and he put together his first horn and then find, someone saw it and they're like, this is crazy. We got to get you a horn, a real horn. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. So, so yeah, to witness that, to be able, I, there's nothing like this uh, profession. I feel like uh, to be able to meet a guy like that and to hear firsthand is incredible. And you yeah. know what? I got to tell you real quick, the guy you had on, uh, you're a great interviewer, by the way. The guy you had on the other night talking about um, World War II and yes. Hitler and his cocaine eye drops. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Samuel Mitchum is his name. He has wrote like 40 books on World War II. Yeah. And you have to be committed. It's the it's a great story where he found was someone stole or took Hitler's doctor's notebook, had it translated from German, and had to have all these medical experts review it because none of them would look. I mean, some of these medications haven't been made in a hundred years, you know. So the stuff that Hitler was taking back then, um, no one knew what it was, and then they later find out. Oh yeah, he was taking cocaine eye drops. <laughs> something else that's yeah. um amazing like, to me what now, a reveal <laughs> how yeah like and what would that do and how could i, I don't even know there's there's got to be a million emotions and sensations that would bring enough that he was doing it multiple times a day what a strange thing uh but yeah that oh, he was yeah. a, well, a great yeah, guest the guy was on, on obvious methamphetamines right so yeah i'm sure he was yeah. Well, did you hear the yeah. interview with Jan Jacoby the next night? He was the person, a uh, local author here, and he's a school teacher, and he uh, does different biographies on Abraham Lincoln. And he was talking about how doctors in 1860 would treat Lincoln for his depression. And it was like there's bloodletting, there's leeches, you know, yeah. they're hooking him up to stuff. There's like all these weird things. And they thought this is the way definitely we'll get the depression out of you. And it's like, man, it's 150 years ago. That's how they did things. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah. It, it's Blood pretty incredible lady. how far we've come in, in you know, short time. Oh, uh, you mean a lot of... In the, in the special oh, uh, with... Uh, no, I was just going to say, it just, yeah, the history repeats itself. I was, it's so interesting, like the War of 1812. Yeah. I, I think that there's so much we can learn from presidents, and it's so cool that you get to go around and put these together, the presidential libraries, museums, and more, and you have another installment coming up because it is President's Day, and again, if people wanted to watch it on Monday, uh, what should they do? Oh, watch it on Channel 11. If uh, I don't know what your cable provider is. It's KPLR, and uh, the news starts at 4 p.m., and then we start it at 4.30 uh, and then it'll, it'll, once it airs, it'll be up on our website, KPLR11, kplr11.com, and, uh, and fox2now.com. Right. Um, yes. So you can see it after. If you're not in St. Louis directly in the market, you can see it afterwards at 5 yeah. p.m. <laughs> it, it's so well done. I mean, the production and everything oh. you put into it. Um, I'd love to talk Thank to you more you. about that. And I had a couple of other questions. I don't know if you uh, don't mind waiting until after the news. I'd love to keep talking. Please, yeah. It'd be great. Yeah. I want to ask you about uh, the presidential library, uh, President Obama's. They're going to start construction on that in the south side of Chicago. It's kind of cool to have one close to us like that. And just working in TV in a time like this, all the different stories of the reports and reporting you've done over the years, it's got to be weird working in TV, kind of like it's weird working in radio right now. So let's talk about that after the break. We'll also take a look at your latest news. And don't forget, President's Day is on Monday. You have to watch Patrick Clark's latest installment on KPR 11 Monday at 430. This is Overnight America Camo X. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 